If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. It's an honor, honor, honor to be with you on this very first day. Anybody do New Year's resolutions? Anybody do that kind of thing? A couple of us, there's one of us a few of us more. Now it's becoming a thing, and now everybody's doing it. I, uh, I, I started working out, and uh, I le- yesterday was leg day. Uh, it's been a, been a long time coming for leg day, been about a decade. And so if, you, if I'm preaching like this, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just sore. I'm sore, okay? Um, uh, so yeah, I am the real pastor. This is, this is really happening. And, but I haven't always been the pastor. Uh, I've always been in pastoral ministry. When I graduated college, I went into the world of finance, specifically investing. And, and in that world, there is a very, very clear relationship between the risk you assume and the reward, the potential reward you can have. So if you just, if you just want to take a little bit of risk with your money, you'll just get a little bit of return on your money. But if you're willing to take bigger risk, you, you have the potential for a bigger return. And this is actually a principle in all in life. If, you, if you're the kind of person who wants to stand on the sidelines and play it safe, you'll miss out on the upside of life. You have to jump in and, and risk it uh, take on uh, some danger. And I bring this all up because at Jubilee Church, we're not playing games. We're not playing some religious game, you know, where we make church a hobby. We want to experience the real stuff. We want to have real encounter with God and we want God to transform us. Uh, and so we, we're, that's how we want to live. So which means that we have to assume some danger, uh, at least what appears to be dangerous. And that's why we're starting off this year with a series, Dangerous Prayers, right? So we, we want to, we want to pray prayers that make you feel like you're standing on the edge of a cliff. Uh, they don't feel safe. They don't feel benign, but they are loaded with upside. And so that's what we want to do. And, and, we're, and so we're going to go through the series, but we're not just going to talk about it. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to do it. We're, we're, going, to, we're, going, to, we're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to spend uh, here in a few days, uh, we're going to embark on a season of prayer, 21 days of prayer and fasting. So here, I'm going to do a few practical things. Would you just get out your bulletin? And Alex is going to hand me one as well as a journal, if you won't mind. 
in there, you'll notice this card. Let me get it out, this prayer and fasting card. This is something we're going to do together, not just one location, but all locations are going to be connected via uh, simulcast. And it's not just going to be the leaders who go to get, who do this or the, you know, the special few. This is something we're all going to do uh, together. And it, you'll notice here on this schedule, this is something we're going to do for 21 days. We'll, uh, starting this Wednesday, during the week, Monday through Friday, we'll meet here at uh, 6 p.m. for an hour. And all the other locations will meet in their locations for an hour, then on, then on Saturday mornings at 8. And you're thinking, man, I've never prayed more than five minutes before. How, how in the world is this going to be an hour? We're going to help you with that. We're going to encourage you with that. We're going to, you know, so the, we'll help you. We'll, we'll um, a lot of, if you maybe never fasted before, we're going to help you with that. Um, there'll be some structure. I'm going to post some things on our website today. Uh, that will be helpful, some ways to help your prayer life, but also to help together. But here's a big thing right here. You should have gotten one of these journals when you came in by an usher. Did you get that? No one has, yes, a few. Raise your hand if you don't got it. Can, can we just get these guys a few? And, if you, and there's one in the back. But anyway, on this prayer journal, um, There's a couple ways. One is how will you fast? Uh, and then what is your prayer plan? And if those, if you guys are goal setters, like you know that the goals that you write down are way more likely to be achieved than if you just say, I hope this happens. And so it'd be good to write down a plan. And here's another thing I want you to do with that plan. I'd love for you to share that with your friends. I'd love for you to share that with those in your community group. Hey, here's what I plan to do and here's why. Because maybe some of you are thinking like, wait a minute, Brian, I think I read in the Bible once where it says we're not supposed to like shout it out when we pray. We're not supposed to shout it out when we fast. And that's true. And here's why it says it. It says it so that you're not being a religious person like, see how impressive I am. I'm a prayer. See how impressive I am. I, I, I fast. So we, we don't want to do it for that reason, but it's a good reason to share it with those um, that you're in, you're in community with, that you're friends with, so they can encourage you, right? So we, we have a, uh, a shared relationship with each other, so share for that reason. Uh, we'll have the structure set up where, you know, we'll do some worship, pray on your own, pray with, you can pray with friends, you can pray with in your community group, maybe your community group would want to come together and huddle up and, and pray for each other. And then we'll have outline of what you're going to pray. And so, but, oh, back to the journal. One of the cool things about this journal too is it's not just a plan, but while you, during, there's 21 days here that you can write down the date and then take notes of like, hey, here's what I prayed for today. And uh, here's how God spoke to me. This is how I experienced God. This is how he's answering his prayers. And here's what I'm guaranteeing you. I guarantee you that God's going to do something. If you engage this, God will do something. And, and it will shock you. Um, it'll, it'll shock you. In fact, it'll, it'll, it will be, it'll be more than you'd expect or imagine. And that's not because I'm saying that's actually what God says. God says, if you, if you engage, I'll do more in your life than you'd ever imagine. And, and, and I think that's what happened. So engage with this um, journal. Oh, and here's a really cool thing. I almost forgot. Uh, there's a little card in there that says prayer request. And uh, somebody stole my prayer request. But because they, they understand how valuable this card is. If you understood how valuable, you'd steal one too. So you, you need to get this card right now. Go ahead and get it. Get it right now. Just make me feel good. Okay, I you know, came in late and all that. I, I need a little pick-me-up. So get, get out this card. And on the back of it says, will you pray for me? And this is, if, you're, if you're, this is your first time, you could not have picked a better Sunday to be here. And I'll tell you why here in a second. If you write on, 
please pray for me. Write your name. Now that's optional, and you'll see why here in a second. Write down an area of your life where you know that you need breakthrough. Like there's just something like, oh man, my, my health is struggling. My, my relationships are struggling. Uh, will you pray for my neighbor? Will you, will you pray for my finances? Will you pray for my health? Whatever, you, you, you know what that area is. And then there's like bonus prayer requests. Here's some other things I'd love for you to pray for. If you fill us out, and, and you turn this in, so at the end, there's, there'll be baskets passed out, or there may be a basket the, at the back when you leave. We'll receive these, and these will get prayed for. There'll, there'll be a place out during the 21 days, and people will pick these up, and they'll pray for you. You know how awesome that would be that you have all these people praying for you? And I, you don't have to put your name. If you want to make it anonymous, that's fine. Or if you just want to put your first name, that's fine too. I think you should put your name and you'll see why after the message today. But I think some awesome, awesome, awesome things are gonna happen. God's gonna do some great things in your life and in our life together. And we're gonna do it together. So dangerous prayers, we're kicking off this series today. And there, these, are, these are prayers taken from the Bible. And there are four that I chose. There's more than four in the Bible, but there's four that I chose. Uh, next, like next week, we're gonna get into thy will be done. It's a, it's a, it's a prayer that Jesus prayed he taught us to pray that way, and he prayed that way in the garden. It's a very dangerous prayer. This can be super helpful, especially for those who are going through a difficult time. Uh, the prayer, break me. Um, uh, my friend, Alan Frau, who leads a church in, in uh, L.A., their church is very similar to ours, and he wrote a book called Broken for Blessing. And it's, it's an amazing book. You, sh- you should get the book. You can, it's on Amazon. But uh, he'll come and, and speak from that book, and it'll be super powerful time. And then the prayer, send me. Isaiah said that, you know, here I am, send me. Uh, well, and, but today may be the most dangerous prayer of all. It might be the most dangerous prayer of all. And it was a prayer that was uh, prayed by David. And David did some pretty courageous things. If you don't know about David, he, he killed a lion with his bare hands, all right? He, he killed a giant with a slingshot. But I think the most courageous thing that he ever did was he prayed this prayer, and he, it, it, it starts in verse 19. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to go back through this, the prayer part. And the first part is a little intense, but bear with me. Okay, here's the first part. He's in verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, that seems a little harsh, you know? <laughs> uh, you know some, somebody say, like, I can't even believe that's in the Bible. Uh, some, but here, here's how I would say it. Tomorrow morning, anybody, anybody drive in traffic? You drive through traffic? Like, you may say worse tomorrow morning when you're in traffic, okay? <laughs> second, or like, just think about your political opposition for a second. You may say worse about your political opposition. And if you wouldn't say worse, you, you for sure think worse. And, and here's my point, um, before you get too offended, is that my point is, is that all David is doing here is he's coming to God with an honest heart. He's coming to God unfiltered, unafraid, and God, here's, what, here's how I really feel. Now, something happens when he gets into God's presence. His heart changes, and you'll see that. I'll show you here in a second. Because on his own, like in his own thoughts, he thinks his greatest problems are outside of him. He thinks his greatest problems are his enemies, and he's going to soon discover once he gets into God's presence that it's really his inner me. It's inside of him. It's a big problem. It's a huge problem 
we fall into. Because here is David's prayer. Let me show you. Search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Whew. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, someone say, hey, you, can, you don't need to search my heart. Because I'll tell you right now, my heart's good. Like, I know I make a few mistakes, but deep down inside, I'm a good person. And that, that's kind of a, a model for our culture. If our culture had a golden rule, it would be to follow your heart. Because deep down inside, there's goodness there. You do you. You do you. Now, brace yourself because the Bible is going to give, is going to give an alternate worldview. He, they're going to, it's going to show you actually a different way than, than, than that concept. Uh, the Bible says this, through the prophet Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful. Actually, it's not just deceitful. It's deceitful above all things. It's, it's like the worst. It's not just not the best. It's, it's like the worst. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? So those are two different ways of viewing the world, are they not? One is, hey, you know, follow your heart. I'm a good person. You do you. And God's like, no, like, don't do that. Like, that's the word. That's like, don't do you. That's what kind of got us in this problem in the first place is Adam and Eve. They went and did them. And so the Bible says the heart is deceitful. And, and if you're you're honest for a minute and reflected, you would discover soon that nobody has lied to you more than you have lied to you. Nobody has let you down more than you have let you down. If anyone else in your life spoke the way, spoke to you the way that you speak to you, when it's just you, you would kick that person out of your life. You know why? Because your heart is deceitful and sick, and so is mine. It's why we can see everyone else's problems, but we can't see our own. When someone else sins, we become the judge. When we sin, we become the defense attorney. So when someone else cuts us off in traffic, we are the judge. When we cut them off in traffic, hey, it's nuance. You know, like, I, you know, I didn't see you. There's a reason for this. Take it easy, brother. We become the defense attorney. And this plays out huge for me when I'm in the, the 10 items or less line. Like, it's, I've only been to the 10 items or less line. I, I do think you need to get training before you go into that line. Because the first thing I'll do when I go into this line, and if there's a line in front of me, is I will start counting. And I'm and I and I, I'm a little passive aggressive about it. So like I want them to know that I'm counting. So I'll be like, what? <laughs> Twelve. That can't be right because the sign says only ten. Let me count that again. Or if I'm with you know with Josie, I'm like, what do you think the problem is? Is it they can't count or they can't read? Which one do you think it is? Like you know I'm, and I'll say it a lot. Of, but hey, you know what? If I have 12 items, hey, there, there's, it's, it's, there's a reason, you know, like bacon and eggs, it's like one item. Like, it's like that's breakfast. Like that's not, that's not two items. When others sin, we become the judge. When we, you guys heard of Twitter and Facebook, right? Okay, so you know how this works. Like when other people sin, we are the judge. When we sin, 
we are the defense attorney. Do you know why? The heart is deceitful. It's, it's always, you might want to write this down. It's not a pleasant idea, but you might want to write, it's going to help you one day. Your heart is always, always deceiving you about the existence and the cause of your issues. The communication from your heart is always deceiving you about the cause of your issues. Here's why my life isn't going well. It's always deceiving you. And, and, and it's deceiving you about the cause. But here's what I realize. When I get caught up into the judge defense attorney game, I'm acting like a religious person not a, a righteous person. The Bible calls a righteous person someone who knows that they are a sinner saved by grace. And Jesus is always talking about this. I mean, he says it so plainly. That in fact, there's a, a story he tells in Luke 18 of this Pharisee. He goes and prays. And he's like, God, I just thank you. I'm not like this person over here and they do this and they do that. And you know, they're, you know, they're extortioner, they're adulterer. They, you know, they, do, they don't do things right. Thank you, God, that you've made me this way. And, and not like the tax collector. And the tax collector is like standing at a distance. And he's like, won't even go near it. He's beating his breast. And he's like, God, I am a sinner. I, I'm not even worthy of, of being in your presence. Be merciful to me. And Jesus says, it's the tax collector, not the religious person who went home justified that day. In other words, religious people, people who are, follow a way of, of deceit are, are those who notice other people's sins, but don't, don't notice their own. Righteous people, people who know they're saved by grace, who, who find hope and healing and joy and peace and love and all the good things that we all want, notice their own sin and, 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 and not as aware of other people's sin. But here's what, and so this has huge, huge implications. That's why we need someone outside of us. That's why we need someone outside of us to search our heart. We can't do it on our own. That's why we're huge on community groups. Like not just reading, studying the Bible. We want to study the Bible. We don't just want to study the Bible. We want the Bible to study us. We, want to, we need other people to help us. Why? Because we understand and believe what the Bible says, that we are not in the right position to determine what's wrong with us. We need people outside of us. And it's not just other people, but it's God through other people. Um, and the reason why we don't want want to do this before God or before others because search me always has a negative connotation in our culture, almost always. I mean, nothing ever really good comes from being searched, right? So like I remember it was one month after I got my driver's license when I was 16 back in, in the early 90s that, and by early, I mean the first one. And so we, uh, I, I got pulled over for speeding, right? And I was new to the area. I was only been, I went to a new high school. You've heard that story. I've only been there a month. And so I, I, I got pulled over for speeding. And because it was past curfew, um, I don't know if they still do curfew, but they did curfew back then. And they, um, I, got, I was past curfew. And the guy with me had a warrant out for his arrest. Like, I didn't know that. I'm like the new kid in school. Like, hey, let's go out and hang out. Not sure. And so because there was a warrant out for his arrest, um, the, the police searched my car. So, but... As a 16-year-old, I didn't know much, but I knew that nothing good is going to happen from the police searching my car. Like, they're not looking for good news to give me a pat on the back. They're looking for bad news because they want to judge me. So it's not like they're like, hey, look, we found that spare change you were looking for. Here you go. Have a nice day. Like, that's not why they were searching my car. Only something bad was going to happen by them searching my car. There's no upside, only downside. 
It's true when you go, um, you know, if, if you ever have TSA pull you out of the security line to search you. There's no upside. There's only downside. And, and, with, and the, 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 the best thing that could happen is you lose 15 minutes of very, very precious airport time. But it could be even worse. And so typically, the word search me is very negative. And we're very, whoa, whoa, I don't, no, don't search me because there's only bad things that can happen. Except, except if you go to a doctor who wants to search you, not so that they can judge you, but so that they can heal you. And that's what God's like. In fact, some of you may have experienced counseling before and you've, you've been very helped by that because over a process of days, months, maybe years, they've been able to show something that you didn't know that was inside of you through their counseling. I know Christmas was a few weeks ago, but at Christmas time, one of the things that we say about Jesus is that he is, Isaiah said at first, that he is a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. Why is he a wonderful counselor? Actually, David tells us uh, in uh, the verses that were leading up to uh, his, his prayer, they kind of ramp up and we read them starting uh, in verse seven. He, he me- he's meditating on th- three attributes of God. And here's the first one in verse seven. He says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I f- flee from your presence? If I go to the top of a mountain, you're there. But if I go to the depths of the ocean, you're there too. If I'm in a crowd, you're there too. But if I'm all by myself, you're there as well. Uh, David here is meditating over the omnipresence of God that he's everywhere at once. Omni means all. He's all present. And here's what that means. Whatever you have done, whatever you have done that you're so ashamed of, he was there when you did it. And here's what else is true. He didn't abandon you, but there were new mercies waiting for you the very next day. You may have hated him, but he didn't hate you. You may have been, wait, you may have been busy waving your fist at God, but he was busy climbing onto a cross, bleeding and dying for you. He is there when it happened and he showed you mercy. He didn't show you judgment. Here's more that David's meditating on in verse four. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. He's meditating here on the omniscience of God. He is omniscience. He is all knowledge. He has all knowledge. One of the reasons why you should feel freedom to let him search you, because he already knows. And he doesn't just know what it is. He he knows why it is. He was there when it happened, and he knows why it happened. Hebrews 4.13 says this. I love this verse, one of my favorites. And no creature is hidden from his sight. It's a terrifying verse, but it's a good one. But all who are naked and exposed to the eyes of him too must give account. But here's where it gets good in verse 16. Because that's true, let us then run with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. We can be confident in his searching of us because he's, he was there when it happened and he knows why we did it. So we can be confident, but there's more David is meditating on and perhaps the best for last. Verse 13, he says this, for you formed my inward parts. You don't just know me and he does know you, knows you better than you know you, but you actually formed them. And check this out in verse 16, he says, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. You don't just know about my days. Like you don't just know my, you, you formed these. He's talking about the omnipotence of God, that God is all powerful. So let me connect some dots for you why he is wonderful counselor. He is omnipresent. So he was there when it happened. He is omniscient. So he knows why we did it. And he is om, om, omnipotent. 
So he has the power to set us free. He is a wonderful counselor. So maybe you're here and you don't know why, you know, you don't understand what's wrong with you. You don't know why you don't have peace. You don't know why you're not happy. You don't know why you're afraid. You don't know why you have a problem trusting. You don't know why you're in a prison of bitterness. You, you don't know why you have this habit that has got you. You don't know why, but God does. And he wants to help you. And he has the power to do it. It may have taken you years to figure out a problem that you've discovered, but in, in a moment in his presence, God can, can name it and help you. So if you pray, God, search me, he'll search you. He'll point to it. He'll tell you why, and he'll help you. So do you have your issue written down? Do you know what that is? If you know what it is, man, put that in the basket and someone will pray for you. But if you don't know what that is, and and to a degree, we all don't know, really, we all need to pray this prayer. And we have to see the seriousness of sin. See, and that's another reason why we don't do this. We don't, see, we don't see sin as being all that big of a deal. See, in the garden, and, but here's, a, here's what's true. Sin always leads to death. So in the garden of Eden, God said to Adam and Eve, he said that if you eat this from this tree, which is if you sin, you will die. The serpent, who's not our friend, by the way, comes along and says, you will not surely die. In history is full of men and women who have believed one over the other, that full of men and women who treat deadly, something deadly, as though it was harmless. They've not believed God who said it was deadly. They believed the serpent who said it was harmless. And he works through our hearts to deceive us about even the nature of what sin is. Oh, sin's not that big of a deal. You know, we all make mistakes. I mean, what's the big deal? It's death. It's killing your relationships. It's killing your marriage. It is killing your finances. It's killing your body. But more than killing your body, Jesus says, don't worry about the body. You got to worry about the soul. It's killing your soul. It's death. Don't treat something that is deadly or venomous as though it's harmless. Now, what I wanted to do today, I wanted to come in and I wanted to bring in a rubber snake and a real poisonous snake, like a rattlesnake or something. I got voted down, but I I got left in my car. I I didn't bring it in. You guys want me to bring it in? Just imagine though, that snake, a real snake being up here. Like I think, I think if I did it, I know what would happen. Everyone would take, would sit a row backwards. Like everyone would, and I would too, by the way, like I would do that too. And, but what we do with sin is we, we should, God wants us to have a healthy fear of what sin is. If you're a parent, there are things that you want your kids to have a healthy fear of. But we treat, it's like treating a, you wouldn't treat a poison snake like a rubber snake, you know, and vice versa. And we can't treat sin as though it's harmless when it actually is lethal. And another reason why we don't do it is because, and it's kind of this conundrum we're in, is that what we want the most isn't what we need the most. Because what we want the most, and this is how deep sin is, is we want space. I mean, I can even, I can sense it in the room. We want our autonomy. Uh, we want to be whoever we can be. We, we want to be our, so we want to do you. We want to do me. I want to what we want to do. That's what we, we want the freedom. We want the elbow room to do whatever it is 
that we want to do. We want to get away from the presence of God. But the further you get away from the presence of God, the more, the more darkness and the more issues that you face. And Romans 1, in your Bible, if you read that, it, it speaks to this conundrum that we have. On one hand, we want to get away from God's presence. But on the other thing, it's the one thing that's going to heal us. But we can have confidence to say, God, will you search me? So let me encourage you this way. If you're concerned about what God would do, because if you're like, man, I want my, I want my space, I want my autonomy, I don't want God coming in and, and messing with me. I want to be who I truly am. I want to remind you of verse 13, where it says that God formed our inward parts, like the very center of us, our identity, who we are really meant to be. There are things about your identity. There are things about who you're really meant to be that you don't even know about, but God knows. And if he comes into your life with a scalpel to take something out, it's because it's not helping you and he wants to get rid of it to help you so that you can discover who you're truly meant to be. There is, there is, there is a sense to where we should do us, but we need to do the real us, which means we have to die to ourselves so a new life that's deep within us can re- resurrect by the power of Jesus. And he, what's what he wants to do. And David knows this. So that's why in Psalm 139, he says, how precious are your thoughts? You band could come on and come up. He says, how precious are your thoughts? So even these thoughts that want to come in like a scalpel and start doing surgery, these are so precious to me. Well, how can that be true for you? It happened to David. David had this confidence that of, in God's goodness and his grace and that everything he said was going to be wonderful. David was so confident in the searching of God because he was given knowledge of something that would happen in his future that happened in our past, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. David couldn't get away from God's presence, and neither can you, because on the cross, Jesus was banished from God's presence. On the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Bible says that, we actually read this verse, didn't we, in in Hebrews. The Bible says there'll be a day when everything that we've ever done will be made public and judged. The thing that you don't want anyone to, there's probably some things that you're holding on to that you think you're the only one who knows. But God knows. And one of the things he says is that one day, everything that we have done will will be read aloud and it will be judged. And if, if you are someone who is trusting in your own goodness, your own merit, in other words, you will be judged according to your merit. If you are one who trusts in Jesus Christ, you will be judged not according to your merit, but his merit. And here's what's true for anyone who's trusted in Jesus. All the punishment for your sin was laid on Jesus 2,000 years ago, which means that when you became a Christian, God took your judgment day from something that was in your future and put it in your past. And every sin that you have ever committed and every sin that you will commit was judged on that cross 2,000 years ago. And so now when you come before him, he's going to say, I don't got anything to say. You are perfect. You are righteous. Enter the joy of your master. He doesn't look upon your sin. He looks upon Jesus. If you trust in him, if you trust in yourself, you'll be judged according to your own merit. If you trust in him, be judged according to his merit, which means if you are a Christian and you say, God, search me, God, search me, God, search me, he will search you. 
and there will be no judgment. There'll be no punishment. There'll be no condemnation. There'll only be grace and mercy. He'll say, I only got kindness for you. I only got love for you. I only have got healing for you. If you say, God, will you search me? Only a good thing can happen. There's no downside. There's only upside. You see, we think there's only downside and no upside, but there's only upside when we ask that question. And he wants to come in and he wants to change some things in your life. Not to punish you, but to heal you. So here's what I want us to do. Why don't you go ahead and stand? We're not over yet. We're just gonna, I wanna introduce a, a, a worship song in the middle of my sermon. Give me, don't leave. Give me a couple more minutes after we sing the song. But we're gonna sing the song. And, and I don't want us just to mouth the words. I want us to, I want this to be a declarative prayer. Okay? So we're gonna declare the song together and they're gonna, they're gonna lead us in this song together. We're gonna declare to him. God, search my heart.